0: Hi guys, welcome back to the Vava 1 podcast. Matt isn't here today, so I'll be filling in this host. I'm joined by Joshua and Callum. And we'll be previewing um, the upcoming Russian Grand Prix. We'll be looking back at Monza and talking about the final Alfa Romeo seat, the final seat that hasn't been confirmed for next season. So starting, we'll go to Monza. It was huge.
1: Josh, Daniel Ricciardo winning. What did you think of that? Um, Yeah, please for him. I sort of I think everyone has that sort of soft spot for Daniel Ricardo. Um and good to see him win and good to see sort of sort of he was allowed to win rather than rather than sort of Norris or take over and perhaps McLaren lose that one too. So please we happy to see it. Obviously, if it couldn't have been Hamilton for me, it, it would have been Ricardo at, at that point in the race. And Callum,
0: um uh, do you think this could mark an upturn for Daniel Ricciardo? Will we see the Daniel Ricciardo of old for the rest of the season?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think he's just been lacking in confidence most of the season. Uh, I think if we all think back to Hungary, I think he finished 11th and there was the scenes of him uh, getting out of the car and just looking completely dejected, like just completely no energy whatsoever. And He looks like a man reborn now, so yeah, I hope this uh, this gives him the confidence to, to push towards a high finish this season.
0: And Josh touched on it there briefly. There was calls from Lando Norris when Daniel Ricciardo was leading the race for Daniel to move up. And I think, I think we all know that is sort of a coded way of saying, move him out of my way.
1: Do you think McLaren would have considered that, Josh? Moving Ricardo and letting Norris through? I don't know. I, I think he, he looked slower than the cars behind him. I think there was a risk that if if they let Lando through that you would have had... You would have lost that one-two finish, and I think that was that was the most important for McLaren to maximise points. So Daniel got into the lead, deserved to lead that race. His start was superb, um, and he he had the right to to lead the race. And team orders or not, he had the right sort of to be given that number one driver that weekend. And it worked well for McLaren, didn't it? They got a one-two. Daniel won a race. Lando finished higher than he has before in F1 this time will come, he'll win a race sooner much rather than later. Um, But perfect, we for McLaren all in all. And
0: Callum, uh, McLaren and Ferrari have been locked in this incredible battle for third all season. How do you expect it to play out? Do you think McLaren will continue to be stronger or do you think we'll see Ferrari bounce back and take third?
2: Ooh, close one. Uh, it's, it's probably closer than Red Bull and Mercedes at this point, the battle between Ferrari and McLaren. Um, I think McLaren will edge it, but it will come down to the very last race, um, and it will continue to flip flop as the season concludes.
0: Yeah, I think I think we could see the battle for first and the battle for third being decided at Abu Dhabi, which is when recent sort F of one times a rarity, apart from last year in the battle for third. As you mentioned, the, the battle between Mercedes and Red Bull, um, it was shown again in Monza when uh, Max and Lewis. Uh, depending on what side of the fence you sit on, for this took it too far.
1: Josh, who do you think was at fault for the, the incident? I watched it. I didn't watch it live. I was. I got back from the Arsenal game. It's like um, I got back from somewhere and I couldn't watch it live. And I saw it on the replay. At instant, like that's Verstappen's fault. He's cut him up. He sort of. He didn't do what he needed to do. He should have taken the cut. And I was like very like anti Verstappen. And then I keep watching it. And I'm like. It looks more like a racing incident. and its I, I do fall on more blame on Verstappen's side. I think he, he had a, a split second. He could have taken that corner and gone off the track and then slotted back in underneath, uh, behind Hamilton. Um, but it's, it's tit for tat really, isn't it? There's not really one that's ultimately more at fault. But I think his conduct after the incident is more the problem I have with it than the incident itself. If you crash, you go and check the driver's okay. We saw it with George and Valtteri. We've seen it plenty times before, and he's he's just gone and walked away, and his car's on top of another driver. I think that's more so the problem I had with it. But more first happened in than Hamilton. But but like forty nine fifty one, very small margins. So, do you believe the free place penalty was justified? Yeah, I think I think because it they waited so long. I think if you'd have done it in the race and given him. Time penalty also could have been justified. You could have made the argument, but they wanted to give themselves time to look at everything. And also, yeah, we look at it and straight away, it looked like it was a good decision. Now, in retrospect, he's taken the um, new power unit. He starts from the back anyway. So it sort of feels a bit redundant. But and it's, it's racing, isn't it, really? you Someone almost has to be at fault all the time.
0: And then... Callum, what do you think? Uh, Do you agree? Was it more Verstappen's fault or more
2: of a racing incident or even Hamilton's fault? I I agree with Josh on pretty much every point. I'd say it's a bit more 60-40 to Verstappen because it's a racing incident, but Verstappen could have avoided it. You know, Um, he didn't have to make that move then. I think this is where his sort of naivety is his first time in in a championship battle. I think with a bit more experience, he'd go, you know what? I can't get him here, I'll get him on the next lap, I'll, I live to fight another day kind of thing, but Max isn't that driver yet, he wants to, you know, pass at every opportunity he gets, so he, sh- he should have backed out of it, and ultimately that's why I think the penalty was justified, plus his conduct afterwards, as Josh was saying, was, was terrible, but uh, yeah, it's all kind of redundant now, to be honest, with the penalty that he's taken for his power unit, so, uh, but uh, yeah, on, on the whole, yeah, just about the Stafford's fault. And so I think that makes a that
0: leads into a good point. Hamilton pre-racing Sochi has said that he believes maybe Verstappen is struggling and what is his first real title fight. Josh, do you think we're starting to see cracks in Verstappen's armor and he maybe isn't dealing with the pressure as well as he should? I think
1: potentially, almost because there's that expectation on him that he's sort of he's in a good car. Sort of the history, the legacy of the name, and it almost like expected that he's he's challenging and Maybe it's getting to him, I'm not sure. He I think he's just naturally an emotional driver. And you've sort of seen that with some of the stuff he said and his conduct in the past. Um and yeah, it's sort of his recent interviews saying that oh Hamilton must be fine if he's flying off to America for Met Gala's and stuff. It's it's just it doesn't you don't really hear that a lot in F1. There's not that sort of there's a lot more respect usually than that. You sort of hear things like that more in football and boxing and stuff, and it it just didn't feel didn't feel pure, but I mean, he'll, he'll, he'll win a grand, he'll win a, sorry, he'll win a F1 championship very soon in the next few years. Um, and I think he needs to mature. Maybe it's a slight bit of pressure, but I think it's pressure he's putting himself because he knows how good he is. Yeah. And
0: um Callum, what do you think? Oh, crack showing for Stappen or do you feel like it's just a small bump in the road and he'll continue to show the form he's shown all season?
2: Uh, you know, I think there are some uh, there are some cracks starting to show, but I mean, you've got to look at how commanding he was at the, at the Dutch Grand Prix uh, and in previous Grand Prix this season. I think he's making small mistakes, but he's making them uh, few and far between at the moment. And uh, this this championship battle is going to go to the wire. And to be honest, I have the staff in favourite at the moment, and I think that this incident he'll learn from, and he'll go, you know what, let's just play playing a bit safer towards the end of the season. Let's just make sure I stay ahead of Lewis and uh, win that championship that he so wants.
0: Yeah, and so switching focus from car 44 to car 77 at Mercedes, Valtteri Bottas, despite putting it on pole, despite winning the sprint race, started from the back of the grid, but ended up on the podium. What, Josh, what did you make
1: of his charge through the field? It's a good drive. It's, it's almost a shame to see sort of this coming now it's confirmed he's leaving because if yeah. you saw sort of, if this was earlier in the season he was purely putting a case forward to be a still be Mercedes driver. I think maybe they would have gone for another year of near, another year of that. And then when Hamilton's two years contract has got a year left bring Russell in and then sort of nurture him to take over. Um but I mean you're a Mercedes driver in a Mercedes car you sort of almost expect that level of drive from someone in that position. Not to discount from what he did, it was great, he got on the podium, he much reserved it after a strong weekend. Um, but yeah, it's almost almost sort of free for him now, isn't it? He's almost now just got to deliver that constructive title. He's not going to win the championship. That's all that he's really got to do and he's getting the points consistently and that's that's the most important thing for Mercedes and Mercedes fans. And Callum, what do you think? Do you think the pressure is off for Bottas now?
0: and maybe we're going to see him have a stronger end to the season than the start of the season. Now his future's decided he's got a long-term contract power for Romeo. Do you think maybe he's just going to start enjoying his driving again?
2: Yeah, I think so. Like This this always seems to happen, doesn't it? Someone confirms they're going to move or they're going to leave the sport and then they instantly start doing better. So I don't know if it's a psychological thing or it's just a superstitious thing, but uh, no, a fantastic drive in, uh, in Monza. And uh, I think he's won the hearts and minds of everyone with uh, the new meme that's been made of him. I'm not sure if you guys have seen, but he's looking back at the incident with uh, with uh, Max and Lewis, and then smiling to the camera afterwards, which I've seen scattered over the internet over the last two weeks. So that's been a, a lot of joy as well, I think.
0: It's absolutely, absolutely everywhere. Mercedes are using it, putting it out with green screens, just yeah. to try and get people involved with it. Then finally, with Monza, we had our second sprint race of the season.
1: Josh, what did you make of the sprint race in Italy? I think it's naughty if it's worn off for me. I'm just not, I'm not sold on it. I enjoyed it at Silverstone. I thought it was something different and fresh. Um, I don't know, it just just didn't really excite me as it did before. I think that's because we've seen it, we know what to expect and it just ends too soon. So I think 17 laps or whatever it was, it's like, right, we're getting into the good stuff now. I don't know, it's ending. And it was just yeah. sort of a bit like, just just flat. I don't know. I don't know how else to describe it. It just felt a bit flat. Yeah, I'm yeah. not sure it's the way to go. I know. I, thought, I think Salontos talk about one shot qualifying, which sort of. I, don't, I think it's an interesting idea. More so, I think it's from the F1 game on the PlayStation or the Xbox kind of idea that you get a lap around the track and fastest lap wins. But then it's the same problem fastest cars will get the fastest laps so you'll just sort of see the same thing it's it's somewhere that needs to be thought about and invested in I'm not sure the sprint races are the way to go anymore I was excited for the first one now just a bit like meh yeah and Callum what are your opinions do you think sprint races
0: are the way to go for everyone do you think we should have less races more races or is there any alternative
2: I can't think of a good alternative. I love the idea of reverse grids, but I know there's a lot of opposition to it. And I think rightly so. Uh, I've come to the conclusion I hate the sprint race. It, it doesn't do anything for me. I think it, I think it undermines qualifying. Like uh, Giovinazzi, I think we're gonna talk about him later, had a, a really good uh, Friday qualifying and would have started the normal race in eighth. And then he ended up sort of being punted out of the sprint race early on. and had to start from the back of the grid for the normal race. So it kind of just undermines everything you do in qualifying. Uh, not a fan. I think, I think pit stops in F1 make it a lot interesting. It certainly did in, in in Monza, and I think that when you have a race that stops just short of having any pit stops, then it just doesn't really
1: work for me. Yeah, yeah I think it almost needs to be on a separate event. Like it doesn't determine qualifying. It, it's we have a quarter race, and you get X amount of points. And then you have the main event, which is you qualify. Then you have the main race on Sunday. I don't know how that logistically would work. But to, to make that the qualifying grid, sort of qualifying everyone loves. No one really loves this. And it sort of, as we said, undermines the whole idea of qualifying, that you could have a George Russell or a Joe Finazzi, sort of who aren't in as good a cast this year, sort of do a, have a great weekend and get into Q3 and start in the top 10. And then they've now got a race. They get hit, spin out, start for the main thing and the back and it's sort of just their hard work goes like unpaid. It almost needs to be a separate event. You still get championship points the to top 10 or whatever, or top five, whatever you want to do. But to, you can't have that set the grid because it's it's just not, it doesn't, it may take everything out of qualifying.
0: No, I, I I agree. I agree. It does it does take away from the idea of qualifying that you qualify first and then have to spend seventeen laps defending. And it does. I, I'm everyone said our uh, sprint racing more racing overtaking, but the sprint format encourages, I think, less overtaking. So I think a lot of the top three go. Well, I'm happy to start here. I don't want to risk a crash that starts me at the back, but. I don't see F1 changing it. But moving on, leaving Monza to one side and going back to a man that Callum just mentioned and his drive for next year, Antonio drove Nazi and that last Alfa Romeo seat. So, as we know, Bottas, one of the, one of the stars of Monza, confirmed Alfa Romeo for 2022 on a multi year deal. It remains to be seen who will join him, though. And um, so, the first person rumored, Guan Zhou, F2, currently. I'm not mistaken, second in the
1: championship. What do you think of him, Joshua? It's, I have to admit, I've not paid massive attention to the feeder series or the junior series, as I probably should. It's a name you hear a lot. Um, it's a name I'm familiar with. There's other names that I'm not as familiar with. Um, I don't know. It's, it's hard. It's, he's probably the favourite at the moment. His performances in F2 probably deserve that he's quite high up in his championships he'll also bring a lot of sponsorship in which i think is something that's really important for f1 teams it's it'll be an interesting move it'll be good to see um but i think personally there are drivers that may be more deserving i, I don't know names that have been touted for an f1 seat for a little bit longer um that i'm sure will come on to that we'd perhaps like to see in the sport more it's probably fairer than saying more deserving. And Callum, what's your opinion on Guineasio? Yeah, again, like
2: Josh, don't really pay too much attention to the F2 or F3, which again, I really should. But uh, no, he's he's the name you hear the most. Um, Seems like a great driver. Great to have a Chinese driver on the grid as well. I don't think we've ever had one before. So that'd be quite special uh, if he made the grid. But uh, I mean, there's lots of names floating around at the moment. Uh, So it remains to be seen who will get it, I guess.
0: So another alternative, Nick De Vries, F2 champion in 20, uh, 2019. Recently, Formula E champion with Mercedes. He was in the running for the Williams seat. Obviously, they ended up with Alex Albon. And it seems as though it is Alfa Romeo or bust for Nick De Vries. Do you believe he could make the jump over from Formula E to F1,
1: Josh? I think if you... It's, it's a really hard format, isn't it? Because if you win the F2, you can't race again in that series so you've almost got to get a senior drive and it, it just didn't happen for him he's gone and won another championship and it still doesn't look like it's going to happen for him and it's it's a shame because he's probably quite deserving if it if you win the f2 you you should get a seat in f1 you should get that promotion when it's available and other drivers perhaps less deserving drivers are at teams and have seats aren't performing and are still there. It's a shame. De Vries, I think, should get it. I don't know if he will. I just, I think if, if it hasn't happened for him yet, there must be a reason. And it, Yeah. Maybe that's not to do with his driving. Maybe that's something else. But if, if you can't, you don't win two championships and not get an F1 seat for, for a reason. And I think that's, that's going to, that's going to ultimately cost him. And, um, Callum next race. Do you think
0: he should be on the grid next year? Uh,
2: I'm not sure about should. I think he's a good driver. I don't know if he's quite of the quality uh, to be an F1, but uh, I don't think he'll get it. I think he's too closely associated with Mercedes uh, to get the Alpha Romeo. See, if it was Williams, yeah, that's, that's possible. But Alpha Romeo, no, I think he's he's too closely linked with Mercedes, and we've seen this a lot with like you know a lot of. Um, Red Bull's junior drivers uh, haven't made it into F1 because there's only really four seats they can go for and you end up losing uh, drivers like uh, Felix Costa I think, was one, who was always touted to get to F1, never did because there just wasn't a seat for him and Red Bull wouldn't let him join another team. Uh, hence why you've seen drivers like Albon jumping ship from Red Bull to Williams and um, it was the s Van Ocon moving from Mercedes to the Renault programme just to get a seat in F1. So unless Debris does that and moves to like the Ferrari side of things to get into Alfa Romeo, but I can't see it happening.
0: And I think that's what's interesting about the Alfa Romeo seat next year, that there's not necessarily a need for a Ferrari driver because they've no longer got that um, contract. It's no longer a requirement for Alfa to run a Ferrari driver, which is why the next man I'm about to mention, possibly the most deserving person for see Oscar Piastri 1F3 is leading F two. recently took his third pole in as many races in Russia just hours ago should he as a member of the Alpine Academy notorious for not being able to find seats just like Guanyu Zhou should he be in the Alfa MRC next year Josh uh,
1: if if, again like we've said if, I think if you win it you're the most deserving candidate to take a seat if it's available, um, and he's going strong. He's doing well. He's leading it. Um, and again, it's it it seems the fair thing if he wins it and there's an open seat to promote. I know it's not within the same academy or the same setup, um, but it's starting to feel almost that there's sort of it doesn't matter as much now, and it almost matters what you can bring in in terms of commercial success. And sort of how marketable you are, and what what that brings, and how much money you can bring to the team. And again, I don't know whether because obviously it's not his senior team. There's no, there'll be no direct promotion. He'll be joining a new setup. Whether it be something that happens, it's so hard to predict. And I don't know. Perhaps, perhaps he'll get it again. If I think, I think he sort. Of, if he wins a championship, he deserves the first opportunity to take an MDC. I don't know whether the Alpha will announce it before he wins or is confirmed or whatever. But yeah, I think he's got to be up there in the running at least.
0: And Callum, what do you think? If Oscar Piastri doesn't get the F1C and it's not looking incredibly likely, where could he go off the back of two F3 and F2 titles?
2: Uh, I would say he should try and get a reserve driver role somewhere. Uh, I don't know what's... currently available but uh, I think that's his best bet you know integrate yourself within the team make friends you know do some good testing uh, and that will always lead to to better things uh, down the road I think that's what Ocon did I want to say that's what Giovinazzi did for a little bit as well I could be wrong but it's a it's a good path in I feel that if you move to Formula E or elsewhere you're kind of distancing yourself from the sport a little bit whereas if you stay within the F1 paddock you know you get you get your name uh, known and I think he's the most deserving driver of that uh, Alfa Romeo seat. So let's hope we get something in the future.
0: That's a good point you make. It's I think it's really benefited Alex Albon this year. The praise that Christian Horner has given him as a reserve driver is partially what's gotten him that Williams seat, just how good he's been in that role. And the final man for the Alfa Romeo seat, the incumbent, Antonio Drovenazzi. Josh, do you think he deserves a fourth year in F1,
1: a fourth year in that seat? I can't really think of many positives about Jeff Nazi, apart from recent, like his recent performance. I can't think of many. I, I sort of look back more towards either big like negatives or he just slips my mind. I think we said before he's the most forgettable driver on the grid. Sort of, even, even sort of the ones who are underperforming or, well, to, however you sort of want to see him, he's always spoken about because he's either doing really, really badly or he's in the headlines for another reason. So Schumacher, obviously, he's got the name. The guy's towards the front. He's he's just the one that's forgettable. So I, I don't know how long they can continue with him. He's not performing. He's, he's an average driver. He, I don't know whether he's better than some of the ones that you've got in F2 or the ones that are without a seat. I think, I think Albon's a better driver than him. He was out of the sport for a year. I wouldn't be surprised if he goes... But we've seen how a whole new driver lineup shakeup has worked, and it it's not really benefited sort of uh, the teams like Haas when it's, when it has happened recently. So it'd be interesting just just to see how how that goes. Instinct says they won't keep him, but he could have a great seven races and earn the seat. And I don't think anyone could complain if he if he consistently puts in good performances for his team. And Callum, what do you think?
0: Does a Valtteri Bottas, Antonio Giovinazzi lineup excite you? Do you think Alpha Ray should stick and keep him, or twist and go for a younger driver?
2: It doesn't excite me, but it might be the safest option for them. As as Josh was saying, if you change your whole lineup in one go, it's really risky. It can disrupt the balance of the team. And uh, he's a, he's, an, he's not a bad driver. He's just an okay one. So that might be okay for another year. Uh, And you've got to remember, of course, that the rules are changing. The cars are changing next year. Maybe that will help him. Maybe uh, a a new car, new rules will benefit him. Uh, We never know. But um, I think it would be a good thing if they kept him, uh, get some continuity in there. And then, again, if he has another underperforming year, then replace him with a Piastri or whoever uh, the following season.
0: Uh, It's an interesting point because... With the change of regulations of next year, it'll be even harder for a rookie. And that was Hass's thinking, obviously, he was getting two rookies in now, giving them a year to learn before it's got a reset next year. But an important thing in this Alfa Romeo debate is Teo Porcher, 18 year, eighteen years old, debut season next to performing really well, member of the sauber Academy, heavily touted for a seat in 2023 which is why rumours are that whoever gets this seat will only have a one-year deal. I personally believe, it, as much as I don't think Giovinazzi should get that fourth year, I wouldn't be surprised if he has one more year just for a bit of continuity before Paul chairs brought in for 2023. Is that the right choice on driver merit? No. Is it the right choice for the team? Yes. Josh, would you like to see it? <sighs>
1: I think it's an interesting one. Obviously, we, we're all very aware of the regulation changes that are coming and it's all too soon for him now. And then 23 makes the most sense. And again, it's it's who do you give a one-year deal to? You don't. You can't really give a one-year deal to a, a rookie, perhaps someone for a year. But as we know, on a multi-year deal, it's probably going to be two or three years. To, to, to give a rookie a, a year and then drop him could ruin their whole career and prospects in F1 um, and there's not really anyone else experienced enough Hulkenberg Kvyat maybe for a year but would they want to drive for a year and then go back out of the sport and it's an interesting one isn't it it's it's how much how much do you want to drive in F1 because I think Hulkenberg would be a great shout and just give him a drive him and Bats could be an interesting lineup, but for him for a year he's almost too good to sort of do that, too, it's almost it's almost rude to do that and then drop him for a rookie who's never driven and has no experience. Um, so it, it will probably it might end up being juvenile on on that basis that they're planning more for the future and bringing in youth. So once we've had a year of these regulations and gotten used to it.
0: Okay, well, moving on, Russia. It's round fifteen, if I'm not mistaken, and we're still in a title fight that is separated by five points. It looks like it could be a, a massive weekend for the championship, with Max Verstappen starting at the back of the grid. Calvin, do you think it's the right idea to take the grid penalty now?
2: Yeah, 100%. He's going to lose three places anyway. Uh, the car is quick enough that he can basically do what Bottas did and Monza and start from the back and finish on the podium, or even win if he's lucky. Uh, I think it's the right call. Absolutely. Get it over and done with. Um, yeah.
0: yeah. Okay. And Josh, what do you think? Do you think Verstappen starting at the back has a realistic chance of getting through? Do you think it's the right idea? And how do you think it'll affect the
1: championship? Yeah, we, we sort of He knew he was getting the penalty. This almost sort of takes away that whole sort of controversy of it. It's sort of like, right, we'll take the penalty. We'll take the new power unit it's going to improve our car yeah we have to start from the back but we know it can be done it's a track historically dominated by mercedes so we won't win it unless there's some big drama so i mean we'll take the hit and then see where we are again it is massive because if he can't get through that grid and you just almost expect mercedes almost to have team orders and have Lewis as the number one car this weekend. It's almost a free hit for them. They just need to get him, let him go, build as much momentum, as much gap as he can. And then Verstappen needs to fight back. He'll probably finish third, fourth. It won't be a massive hit for them, but if Hamilton can win and put three or four places between him and Verstappen, that could be massive for the championship. I know there's talks that Lewis might need to take a new power unit at some point. Toto's probably playing a smart game with the media and saying, Oh, we don't have to, it's an option. Um, but he, he might need to do it if we get to four or five races and he's, he's struggling with that car. Um, so yeah, I, it could potentially be huge. We probably won't see an instant between them because they'll be so far apart. Potentially. We don't know how qualifying or rain or Qualifying could go if it's rained off. It's meant to be quite a wet weekend. What it it could have huge implications for it. Whether that be it takes Hamilton to his eighth, or whether he struggles and Stapp and fights back, gets third, then his lead. It's it is potential for a big weekend. But I think the next seven races, a races, have the potential to be to be season defining. And you raise a good
0: point there about wet weather. And this may sound extreme, but we've seen the videos of the paddock flooding. If we were to find ourselves in a situation akin to Belgium, where it doesn't look like we're going to race, Callum, would you like to see half points or would you rather they just call it for what it is and take, let it be rained off?
2: Yeah, rules are the rules. I'd a probably... Part of me just wants to see like half points again so that those who are already on half points can get back to full points in the overall fin because I hate I hate when I read the fin and it's like 235.5 points. i like, oh, that's just pointless to read that out. Uh, but no, I th- I th- your rules are the rules. You know, they've got to try and race no matter what. And if it has to be half points, and it's that. I don't think it will come to that. I don't know how bad the rain's going to be come Sunday. But um I hope it does rain a little bit at least because it will hopefully spice up the track because Sochi is by far the worst circuit on the uh, entire calendar in my opinion Uh, I got so bored last week uh, with no F1 on that I I made a ranking of all my favourite circuits from best to worst and Sochi was easily the worst one I had so (laughs) yeah hopefully the rain will spice it up a little bit but as you say I'd hope it's not too wet What was top of your rankings? Uh, Silverstone because it's Houston, obviously. Yeah. yeah. And then,
0: Joshua, would you be happy to see a wet, uh, wet race this weekend, or are you hoping for a dry race? It's
1: it's an interesting one, isn't it? I think I think as long as we see racing, I think we'll be happy. Again, it's, it's as we've said, it's not an exciting track. It's dominated by Mercedes historically. I think they've won it since it's been back on the Canada since twenty fourteen. Um. So I think as long as we see racing, you know, we've sort of saw the scenes earlier this week that it was flooded and there was, was cars almost, front wingers covered in water um, in the garages. I just want to see racing. I'm not too fussed. We know how good Hamilton can be in the wet, but we've sort of seen the struggles of the wet this season with these cars. So I'm not fussed as long as we see a, a good race, exciting race, and just not a procession. I'm bored of just seeing... The same sort of the same order and the sort of the same lineup and the picks don't change anything. It's it needs to be exciting. That's all I'm really after.
0: And I'll stay with you, Joshua, because I was going to ask for your track opinions, but Callum's made his abundantly clear. <laughs> What's your opinion on Sochi
1: as a track? It's not the most fun track, is it? It's 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 not what anyone has as their favourite. Again, it's probably quite low on other people's rankings. Um, yeah, it's. It's a bit boring, but I think as, as long as we're seeing racing, I think that's the important thing. It's, it's just meh, isn't it? It's a meh track. I, I keep saying that. That's my phrase episodes. Everything is just meh. It's not like, wow, we, we see amazing corners and changes in the grid and different winners for the last 12 years. It's just a bit flat. And again, I, I have to agree with Callum. It's, it's not particularly high on my rankings either.
0: And if I had to ask you for your favourite track, just like Callum.
1: Yeah,
0: Silverstone, that's the home track. Silverstone has to me, doesn't it? Has to be Silverstone. Okay. And then finally, predictions for this weekend. We'll start with
1: Joshua. Who do you think will put it on poll? I think Bottas, he's looked sharp this weekend. It's almost he's almost got that chance to be like right, I'm going to, I can drive, I'm a good driver, I'm, I'm your best option, or well, it's two fingers up at Mercedes that, for dropping him. Um, he's got nothing to lose Really does it. He can go full flat and smash it and set his fastest time and he'll be happy, or he can sort of finish behind Hamilton and sort of, for Sapper and probably be moved up to second if he doesn't perform on Saturday. So I, I, I have an easy thing will do it. He's got sharp and quick this weekend in practice. So... That's going out of a limb and
2: say we be Bottas on pole.
1: Callum, who do you think will get on pole?
2: Yeah, I agree with Josh. Uh, this is Bottas's track. This is his specialty. Uh, everyone else hates Sochi. He absolutely loves it. So, yeah, I think he's going to take pole. That makes it a
0: clean tweet for Bottas then. I agree. I think, I think he will get on pole here. However, top three. Joshua, will Bottas win the race? Will he lead from pole or will it
1: be a different result? No, I've got I've got Hamilton to win it. Just because I think Mercedes are smart and they know how important this weekend is. We've said it before. Um, they will do everything they can to let to get Hamilton max points. Um, and if if that means Bottas starts on pole to swap them, they'll do that because Lewis Lewis is the only title challenger in that team. Um, he needs to, and with Verstappen being so far back, he needs to get max points. It, it's it's that or nothing. If he, if he doesn't, it's, it's almost game over, really. Unless like if Verstappen gets third, he'll still he'll still be getting points on the board, and you, you'd rather twenty five than eighteen. It's massive, and I think I think Hamilton will win either by getting off on the line or whether they're swapped around during the race. It's is that important for them. And, and, then, and then, yeah, and Bottas second,
2: and Verstappen fights back from 20th to finish third. Callum, your top three? Uh, snap. Uh, I've gone exactly the same as Josh. Uh, about halfway through this race, uh, the Mercedes are going to be a uh, clear one-two, Bottas and Hamilton. And then you'll get the call on the radio. It will say, Valtteri, it's James. We all know what that means. They'll swap places and Lewis will go on to win. It won't be a popular thing to do but it it makes complete sense to do this is a, a hamilton is in the championship fight even if it is just to get 10 points over verstappen those 10 points will make the difference come the end of the season i guarantee you so yeah and then i think verstappen will fight through and uh, come home third maybe there'll be a bit of help from perez perez will i'm sure move out of the way to let the verstappen through if if need be so uh, yeah uh, team orders abound this weekend
0: and I nearly agreed with you. I have, I have written in front of me of Stappen in third place. But I'm going to go with a Hamilton poll. Uh, Hamilton win. Bottas second. Third, I'm going to say Lando Norris. Just with the sort of natural pace of the McLaren. Yeah, I think he'll be able to hold off Perez. And when Verstappen inevitably catches up, I think Lando will have been able to make a big enough gap to hold on for third. World predictions... Joshua, what do you think?
1: I'm really struggling with this one. I, I I thought Ricardo would finish top five again, but he's looking slow this weekend. And there's nothing else especially wild to predict. So I'm gonna stick with Ricardo finishing top five, but it's it's just a boring one. <laughs> Quite sorry. Uh, Callum. Oh,
2: we're looking forward to this.
1: Okay, so
2: I cast your minds back a little bit here. At Silverstone, at the British Grand Prix, who won? It was Lewis Hamilton. At the Dutch Grand Prix, who won? It was Max Verstappen. Seen the theme here? A British driver wins the British Grand Prix. <laughs> A Dutch driver wins the Dutch Grand Prix. Ricardo, maybe Australian, but he has Italian heritage and he won the Italian Grand Prix. Now, I'm not suggesting that Nikita Mazepin, our Lord and Saviour, will win the Russian Grand Prix, but I am saying he will score his first F1 points at Sochi this weekend and if it rains that's a realistic possibility let's be honest
0: possibly the biggest wild card of the year so far certainly more wild than mine which um, I've said Pierre Gasly for a second row starting qualifying and to hang on and finish fourth in the race so with the wild cards in the book (laughs) that concludes uh, this podcast Thank you, everybody, for listening, watching. You can find this and other podcasts on Spotify, on iTunes, on YouTube. Check out the links to our social medias in the description below. See you soon.